we are rolling through the Westminster Confession of Faith. And I think it's always important to go back to the beginning of this because it, it, this is an amazing document, an amazing creed, an amazing confession. And you'll see at the bottom of page 847, and, and notice where it is. So page 845, you'll recognize this. We either recite the Apostles' Creed or on page 846, the Nicene Creed, every week in our worship service. Look what's right behind the Nicene Creed on page 847 the Westminster Confession of Faith. Look at the very bottom. I think it's always great to remind ourselves of this. The Westminster Assembly of Divines, convened, this is God in His sovereignty, providence, convened by the English Parliament in 1643, completed the Confession of Faith, the Shorter Catechism, and the Larger Catechism in 1647. It took them a little over three and a half years. These documents have served as the doctrinal standards, huge word here, subordinate to the Word of God for Presbyterian and other churches around the world. Now, when you start flipping forward, you'll see that we're now in chapter 22, Lawful Oaths and Vows. Now, that comes on the heels of the last few weeks of the law of God, of Christian liberty, excuse me, and of liberty of conscience. Last week, I'm sorry. And then the last two weeks, Justin and Greg took you through chapter 21 of religious worship and the Sabbath day. Now, on first glance, this chapter 22, and this is chapter 22 of 33, so we're exactly two-thirds of the way through the confession. On first glance, this looks like a little bit of a letdown from the prior weeks. It is not. And even though... <laughs> and even though you don't have shorter catechism or larger catechism references, you'll see hopefully how and why the divines thought this section so important and how it segues right into itself after religious worship. But before we dive in, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll start. Father, we just thank you for this time together. Father, I'm so encouraged by this study in this Sunday school class. Uh, Father, may your word uh, be seared in our hearts. Father, may we uh, realize the importance of the authority of Scripture. And Father, today as we look into your word on oaths and vows, may we, may we leave here with a different vantage point of, of taking legitimate oaths and vows and how they are so meaningful. But Father, may it magnify and exalt you. Father, we come today to worship you. May we do so in spirit and in truth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, so you'll notice here, so normally with creeds, the focus is on doctrine and theological principles. Now, this one, we take a slight shift, and you'll see of last week's theme of religious worship. And you'll also notice in paragraph one today, it says a lawful oath is part of a religious worship. Okay, so that's, that's the segue right there. Okay, so and we're going to look at the keynote verse of today. Go ahead and write this at the top. It's tucked into the middle, but it's James 5.12 is the keynote verse of the day. And this is Sproul's commentary on this section 
He says, the reason there's an entire chapter in seven sub-paragraphs sub here, and it's important enough that the divines put this in there. He said, go back to the book of James. And, and who was James? Who, who, was, who was James? Brother of Christ, exactly. He became converted after the resurrection. The book of James is a, it articulates many important spiritual and ethical principles that are to inform and enlighten our lives. It's like a New Testament version of the book of Proverbs. And James says this in chapter 5, verse 12. He says, do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else, but what? You may finish the verse for me. But let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. And what it's saying there, underlying this whole section, is the sanctity of truth. Because we, we worship a God who is totally holy, totally, he is the truth. And one of the ways we worship God, and this will plug us right into paragraph one, and I'm going to spend a little more time on one and seven and go a little more quickly through the middle, just to give you a warning here. One of the ways we worship God is we calling him as a witness and enforcer, okay? So let's think of normal, what we think of as important oaths and vows in our day. So somebody give me some examples. There are three or four that should just come to mind. Marriage, Marriage vows, very good. What's another one? Church vows or membership vows. What's Blake have to do all the time when he, the witness is about to swear the witness in, witness in a courtroom. You think about an ordination service, all these things. So, so have that mindset when you look at paragraph one here. A lawful oath is part of a religious worship wherein upon just occasion the person swearing solemnly calleth God to witness what he asserts or promises and to judge him. So we have, we have the God is being summoned as a witness and the enforcer and to judge him according to the truth or falsehood of what he sweareth. Now, I'm going to go very quickly through a lot of these passages because there's just so much here. So Deuteronomy 10, 20, we are to take oaths in his name only. Exodus 20, verse 7, that's the third commandment, okay, that you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. If we tell a falsehood or if we lie, we're not only breaking the third commandment, we're breaking the ninth commandment, right? Bearing false witness, that's Exodus 20, 16, the ninth commandment. Leviticus, Tyler's got us, we're rolling up our sleeves in Leviticus. Leviticus 19.12 warns us to not swear falsely. You do not profane or make common the name of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 1.23 is an example of Paul calling God himself to be his witness. He knew it was serious, it was solemn, and he was promising an oath. Okay, so that gives us the... the intro here. Paragraph two, the name of God only is that by which men ought to swear. And therein is to be used with, take a slow look at this, with all holy fear and reverence. What does the book of Proverbs tell us in chapters one and seven? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of 
wisdom, knowledge, etc., etc., and reverence. Therefore, to swear vainly or rashly, look at these descriptions, by that glorious and dreadful name. Look at the opposite ends of the spectrum there. Or to swear at all by any other thing is sinful. And, what does it say? To be abhorred. Strong word right there. Yet, as in, it shifts back. Yet as in matters of weight and moment, of significance is what it's saying. An oath is warranted by the word of God under both the New and Old Testament. So a lawful oath being imposed by lawful authority in such matters ought to be taken. Okay, somebody please read, we'll read very few today because we've got them here. and You'll have a lot to take home. And, l and let, me, let me say this too. We do this each time we look at this. And I cut this way back, what's on here. So please go back and read this. But here's chapter 22 in the Westminster Confession. What's in bold is the confession. All of these are the scripture footnotes. Can y'all see that? Let me flip to the next page and look how lopsided, or actually lopsided in a good way. Look, look at the scriptural backup here. Up here is the confession, down here the footnotes and verses. So there's way more here than what I've put on this sheet. Okay, somebody please read Deuteronomy 6, 13 through 19. I'm sorry, if you can go through 19. I, I've, had, I've got a few typos on my verses here. 13 through 19. Very good. All right, look at Matthew 5. This is the first of three chapters on the Sermon on the Mount. If you look and flip your Bible to Matthew 5, you'll see where chapter 5 builds up. He, Christ is talking about murder, adultery, divorce. Then he talks about oaths. Then he follows chapter 5 up with the eye for an eye and love for enemies. But tucked in the middle of this on the oaths, he says, he's basically saying this. Keep the oaths you have made to the Lord and let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. So that's where James got that language in James 5, 12. Isaiah 65, 16 says this, Swear only by the one true God of truth. Okay, and you're going to hear this theme over and over and over. So it's God only to be done in holy fear and reverence that glorious and dreadful name, and that's talking about judgment. We don't trifle with a holy, sovereign God. And in matters of weight and moment, I got tickled in the middle of this. 
And I started, th look at the very middle section says, or to swear at all by any other thing or name is sinful and to be abhorred. What are some examples you have seen where someone swears inappropriately? Give me any example that pops into your head. Yes. Flippant. Right. And then what, what, what tickled me, and it, it actually brought me right back to complete fear and holy reverence. You know, in all the old cowboy movies, they had this real greasy, grungy, dishonest sort that, you know, the good guy would catch or they'd say, you know, they knew they were part of the bank robbery and the, the weasel was, you know, he's like, I swear by, how would, what would they say? What was the phrase they used? I swear by my mama's grave that blah, blah, blah. And I know they weren't thinking of the Westminster Confession when they, when they wrote this, but they actually get it right portraying this infidel as just completely um, dishonest, not God-fearing, et cetera, et cetera. So we don't, we don't do it flippantly, and we don't do it by any other name or any other expression. Okay, Chat, paragraph three. Whoever takes an oath ought to duly consider the weightiness of, a, of it as a solemn act. Let's see. And he must do so fully persuaded it is the truth. Neither may any man bind himself by oath to anything but what is good, just, and what he believe it so to be, and what he's able and resolved to perform. There's a lot there, okay? So Jeremiah 4.2 says, again, we swear in his name only in truth, justice, and righteousness, okay? Genesis 24, 2 through 9, this is where Abraham made the servant swear. He put his hand under his thigh. Y'all remember that story when they were, when they were choosing the wife for Rebekah? It, it was a solemn, just go back and read that this afternoon. Ecclesiastes 5, it's actually four through six instead of Ecclesiastes five five, but it's saying better not to vow at all than to vow and not pay. Okay? So again, we're calling God as a witness. This section talks about it must the oath must be what is for something good, just and true. It must be proper and fitting, never what is unlawful, unrighteous, or unjust. And then it finally says and what one is able and resolved to perform. You can't promise something you can't deliver on. Even if your intentions are great, you can't do that. We bind ourselves only to those things which we should do, can do, and plan to do. Okay? Let's jump into section four. An oath is to be taken in the plain and common sense of the words without equivocation or mental reservation. It cannot oblige to sin, but in anything not sinful being taken, it binds to performance, although many times to a man's own hurt, nor is it to be violated, although made to heretics or infidels. Now, many people make, and we, I'm sure we have all in the room done it at some point in time as well, we make promises, and then we want to renege on the promises. Okay? Cannot do that. What does James 5.12 tell us? 
Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. My dad was uh, very succinct. He was wonderful, godly father. And there were several things when he got disturbed, you listened. And he, he said, say what you mean. When we started waffling or when he was catching us in, you know, uh, we were trying to talk our way out of something we knew was wrong. He said, say what you mean, and y'all finish it for me, and mean what you say. And that came straight from James 5.12. Psalm 24.4 gives us an example of swearing deceitfully. Then we get this laundry list, Joshua, 2 Samuel, Ezekiel, Matthew 14, and right down below this, it's, it's later in here, but I think it fits more appropriately here as well. Judges 11, 29 through 40. This is the story of Jephthah when he made a vow that if they defeated the Ammonites, he would sacrifice whoever was the first person to come through the door. And it turned out to be who? His own daughter. Terrible, awful with no thought, a vow that he should have never made. is awful. So these are examples of either those punished for lying to unbelievers and enemies or examples of oaths that bind performance to one's extreme detriment. Okay? Remember this, and we're going to shift here. You'll see in, in paragraph 5 how it the divine's talk about oaths in paragraphs 1 through 4, then they shift to vows in 5, 6, and 7. And the commentators boiled it down this way. I think it's a good way to look at it. Oaths are promises we make in God's presence. Vows are promises made to God himself. Okay, They're, they're very similar in a way. They, 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 one commentator talked about that marriage vows should be actually called a marriage oath. There's, if you think about this definition, it makes sense. Oaths are promises we make in God's presence. Vows are promises made to God himself. Okay, now we shift to a vow. All right, y'all flip to paragraph 5 here. A vow is of the like nature with a promissory oath and ought to be made with like religious care, and to be performed with like faithfulness. It's very much repeating some of the stuff before. Very simply, we are to carry out the vows we make, period. Isaiah 19.21, this is a prophecy about Egypt. It's saying they will make vows to the Lord and keep them. Psalm 61.8, this is a great um, RUF hymn. I could call on John and Justin to do it promptly here. Psalm 61 says, Then I will praise your name and fulfill my vows day after day. When you, re when you read that psalm, you'll recognize the, the song, I think. Psalm 66, 13 through 15. This is the announcement of fulfillment of vows. Okay? Let's move on to 6 because 7, we've got, we've got to spend just a little time there. All right. Chapter, excuse me, paragraph 6. And you'll see where, you know, we, we hear the phrase, they double down on it. Here they're quadrupling down on this theme. It is not to be made to any creature, 
but to God alone. And that it may be accepted, it is to be made voluntarily, can't be out of force, coercion, or duress, out of faith and conscience of duty, in a way of thankfulness. So we've got that, that element of gratefulness, thankfulness in there. For mercy received and for the obtaining of what we want, whereby we more strictly bind ourselves to necessary duties. Did you catch that little part of it? Strictly bind ourselves, more strictly bind ourselves to necessary duties, to other things so far and so long as they may fitly conduce thereunto. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think they make the point really well. All right, again, an oath or a vow is to be sworn to the one true living and only God, only, not to be made to any creature or created thing. All right? Psalm 7611, if you want to write this out to the side, examples of vows done well. Jeremiah 44, 25 through 26, example of vows done poorly or badly. Okay, we give, give the opposite ends of the spectrum. Sproul said this in his commentary, and please tuck this away for today. There is a narrow range of legitimate oaths and vows and a wide range of very illegitimate ones, okay? Now, the reformers, the divines, this paragraph 7 could be a three-part lesson in and of itself. Let's look at it, and I'll give you a little background, and then we'll break it down. All right, no man may vow. Let me give you the background first. I think it will mean more when you read it. The reformers were disavowing the idea of the, the monastical, you know, the, the priest perpetual vows of celibacy, chastity, poverty. They looked at these and through the lenses of Scripture, and I think they hit it just right, that these are unqualified, open-ended promises which attempt to have the aspiration of wisdom. But what happens is it brings the Lord displeasure. Let, let, me, let me head into this and you'll, you'll see where they were going and how I think Scripture backs it up well. No man may vow to do anything forbidden in the Word of God. That's pretty plain and simple. Or what would hinder any duty therein commanded. All right, that's the sin of omission or commission. Commission or omission in reverse. Or which is not in his own power. Can't promise or vow more than you can deliver or, and for the performance thereof which he hath no promise or ability from God. All right, stop right there. It all shifts. It's building to this point. In which respects popish monastical vows, now look how they break this down, of perpetual single life, profess poverty, and regular, and you could put in here that they're attempting to have regular, perfect obedience, which we know that's error and a lie. There's only one who lived a perfect, sinless life. And regular obedience are so far from being degrees of higher perfection that they are superstitious and sinful snares in which no Christian may entangle himself. You think they were passionate about this? 
<laughs> it's just, it just builds and builds and builds. They're saying these among others are vows, these, these popish vows of, of, of chastity, poverty, celibacy, are vows no one should ever take in the first place. We never take vows we know we cannot keep. All right, that's one. And then his commentator said this, and I thought it was spot on. These type of vows and oaths bring the Lord displeasure when they are made and again and again and again when they are broken because they're going to be broken. We're, we're fallen, sinful creatures. Some of the examples here, we looked at the judges already. Y'all remember in Matthew 14, and this is a shift here completely away from popish and monastical vows, but y'all remember Herod's oath and the circumstances behind that one that got... John the Baptist beheaded. You know, he's confronting him about dating or, or having relations with his, I can't remember the exact, it was, it was definitely violated the uh, Levitical law. It was the, the, uh, the brother's bride, right, right. And she does what? She dances. He, first, he makes a vow, he should, an oath he should have never made. Y'all can go back and read that story. Acts 23 this is where the Jews are attempting to kill Paul, thinking it's a good thing. They're vowing not to eat until they kill him. Is that a, is that a, is that a lawful oath? Is it honoring God? No, no. You can just go down the list. So, summary of oaths and vows. And we'll, we'll wrap it up here. And this is, this is a, you know, this is, if you can tuck this away, it'll, it'll I think it's, it's very meaningful. Again, What's the first sentence say today? It's part of a what? Religious worship. Okay? Think about any marriage ceremony. It is not only a what, but it's a, it is a religious worship. Okay? It is to be guarded jealousy. Jealously. I'm sorry. Never to be taken in a cavalier manner. Never to be made to or before any creature or created thing. All right. We, as Christians, we want to please God, serve God, obey God. We trust Him. We love Him. We also must fear Him. Righteous people, if we want to be righteous, we must be trustworthy and faithful to keep and fulfill our promises and our oaths, okay? And, and just in day-to-day, -day, at our day-to-day -day walk, our yes should be a yes, we should be honest, we should be forthright. Our yes should be a yes and our no should be a no. We should say what we mean and mean what we say out of, out of holy fear and reverence for God and also a heart of thankfulness. He has rescued us. Here was the biggest takeaway I had from this whole thing. And we, I could have sprinkled this in at any point, but we've been, you know, we're a church that believes in, in, in covenant theology. You know, we can go back to Adam, covenant of works. And we get into covenant with Noah, Abraham, going forward, the covenant of grace. And all of this points us back to Christ and the gospel. And it says this, don't entangle ourselves with unwise unnecessary vows, but revel in the promises He, God, through Christ, has made to us. Isn't that a great way to 
end it right there. So we've got the, we talk about the Bible, it's one continuous thread, one continuous story, starting with covenants. And praise God, we're the covenant breakers, he's the covenant, he's the covenant keeper. Do not entangle ourselves with unwise, you can say whatever there, unwise vows, but revel in the promises because he's made an oath to us and he always keeps his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are, you're perfect, Father. You are holy. You have never made an oath you didn't keep. Father, we are sinful and we are helpless without the grace of Christ. Father, may we trust in grace alone through faith in Christ alone, the finished work, Father. Father, may we strive to live lives that, uh, that honor you, Father, that build you up, Father, that build others up around us. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you that you're the great covenant keeper. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.